In this episode, I will be discussing the article that just came out regarding the recent study connecting use of PPIs to dementia. Man, this article, a lot to unpack here. So this has been my stance on proton pump inhibitors, any drug, since I was diagnosed with Barrett's esophagus. And I understand the management factor that goes into doctors' decisions. But the conversation that I had with my doctor was basically a blind, take this for the rest of your life just to ensure or to hope that we don't develop esophageal cancer down the road. We want to stop your body from producing acid, block your stomach from letting that flow back up into your esophagus. So we're just going to shut it down from the source. And right from the start, just that concept alone didn't sit right with me. Knowing nothing about the drug, wanting to be able to manage this you know, from a health and lifestyle perspective, diet, lifestyle, focusing on all my habits. Hearing we were shutting off a major part of the digestive process just didn't feel right. It didn't seem like that was a good idea. Just from my non-medical brain, it just didn't seem like the path that was uh, the one we wanted to take. But I was in a difficult place. I was extremely uncomfortable every single day. Not with heartburn, but my symptoms were chest tightness, difficulty breathing, um, there were days where I had to stop eating after like two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, which is probably SIBO, um, which proton pump inhibitors increase the likelihood of that bacterial overgrowth, but they don't tell you those things. They just talk about, here's the drug that is assigned to this disease. Take it and be on your merry way. Now, I took it religiously probably for two, maybe close to three years after my diagnosis. By that point, symptoms were pretty bad. Um, and they weren't improving with this because they shouldn't have. This drug had nothing to do with my symptoms. Um, my worry, uh, I think my final trigger was it felt like, well, I just had no energy all the time. My nervous system was in shambles. It felt like my hair was getting uh, thinner. And when I saw that, I'm just like, I'm done with this shit. I don't know if this is related, but this stuff is not helping me. Um, and right off the bat, I knew there were issues, <clears throat> excuse me, there were issues with digesting B vitamins and obviously digesting anything as a whole and absorption of those nutrients is going to be affected by your body not producing acid. If we're not breaking foods down the way we're tradition, traditionally built to do so, what do you think is going to happen in the long run? There are consequences for micronutrient deficiencies in the long run for obviously, you know, macro scale. We have a poor lifestyle over time that effect culminates into a bigger event, some comorbidity. Same concept with not digesting food the right way, not absorbing those nutrients the right way. Um, so they've this article will go into neurons, and I believe this was actually published, um, the one they're quoting here, by the Neurology Journal. So there have been older publishes, um, publications, studies, correlating some issues with neurological disorders down the road or some type of pathway connected to this drug. This isn't anything new. What stood out to me with this article, what grabbed me in the headline, and the reason I'm talking about it today is the short period of time where they came up with that correlates to a 33% increase. Um, now, a variety of factors can go into that. Obviously, if you're dealing with long-term use of PPIs, you probably have some other comorbidities or underlying health conditions as a part of that, which obviously will play a role in developing dementia down the road. I take that, you know, obviously in context. I understand those things. But again, going back to the initial part of this, starting with the doctors, 4.4 years, this article quotes, 4.4 years being on proton pump inhibitors, 
correlating to a 33% increase in your risk for dementia. People are getting these prescriptions writ written and being told to just stay on them. There's no off-board process. You're just going to stay on these for life. People have been on these for 20 years, two decades. But the number we're focused on in this article is four and a half years. And that blew my mind. I was fighting it from the start and I was still almost on it four years. I was probably on it and off it over the course of five years. You know, I took it religiously for two or three years, scaled off. They fought with me to get it back on. Every endoscopy that I still had Barrett's esophagus, get back on this, get back on this, get back on this. Well, if you don't want, you know, pantoprazole, what about Pepsid? It's over the counter. It's the same shit. We're still doing the same thing. There are different brands doing the same thing. The proton pump inhibitors blocking your body from producing acid. <clears throat> and it's just frustrating. It's frustrating to hear, you know, a variety of drugs out there right now. Doctors will blindly prescribe. We went through the uh, Ozempic. There we go. We went through the Ozempic. I'm going to call it an epidemic where doctors would hear you wanted to lose weight and just write the prescription. Who cares? Who cares that we're doing these things? Who cares what it's going to do in the long run? It's not healthy weight loss, but go ahead. Get ready for vacation. It's just a blind signature telling you to go do these things. Go take these things. No conversation about how are you sleeping? You know, what does your diet look like? Are you consuming a ton of processed foods? Do you drink? Are you stopping eating well before bed, three, four hours before bed? Those conversations don't happen. I was diagnosed with Barrett's esophagus at 21 years old. I was going to have to manage this for the rest of my life. There was no diet and lifestyle. They handed me a one-page, single-sided tips that basically said don't minimize alcohol, minimize caffeine, don't eat chocolate, and avoid acidic foods at all costs. One page. No conversation. Just, there you go. Go pick up your prescription. That was as far as we went. And that always, that sat, that sat with me very, very poorly. And that is why I feel the way I feel about our medical system today. Now, obviously, it's more blatant. We're all under, we're all fully aware of what's happening. Um, but there doesn't seem to be a shift yet. There doesn't seem to be that push for working with health coaches, partnering up with these affiliates that you, not just any Joe Schmo on Instagram, but a validated company, SD Evolution, that partners up with these patients who are dealing with these things. And okay, maybe we're going to start you on this prescription, but let's focus on lifestyle as well. Training, nutrition, mindset, movement, habits. How are you sleeping? Are you consuming enough water? Are you moving throughout the day? Are you at a healthy weight? Do you have a plan to get to a healthy weight? All these things play a role in acid reflux. All these things play a role in everything. Any comorbidity you're going to develop down the line. It's tough to see. Um, so that's, I didn't mean to be an alarmist and just share a random USA Today article. I don't share news in general 99% of the time. This was just one that caught me. The numbers grabbed me, right? They got me. They got me with the headline. They got me with the numbers. Four and a half years, 33% knowing that most people are on there at least double that and probably would have been on that for the rest of their lives and may still be many may still be um so i've gotten a lot of questions since i posted that um i'm not a doctor this is not medical advice but i can tell you my journey so how i shifted off of those things and what i used 
to get myself off as I focused on healing, which you're not going to feel better overnight. So you have to heal over time and you have to be able to implement some things that are going to make you feel better. So what I worked with, uh, I think right off the bat, I was looking for just aside from the diet and the lifestyle stuff, I was looking for something to essentially replace the PPI in the natural world, the natural realm. Um, licorice root tends to do that. It's much you know, less powerful, much less potent, obviously, than actually blocking your stomach acid, which was a good thing in my, in my, uh, in my opinion, in my journey. So that's one thing you can kind of swap right in there if you want to discuss this with your doctor. Is this something I can scale back to? Um, that's been shown to do some good things. But as far as promoting healing, things like L-glutamine, zinc, uh, drinking bone broth, um, those were my soothers. So I would take those when I was feeling bad. Um, one of the, I forget, I think they actually changed the name of the company. I want to say biotics research, but it may not have been biotics research. Um, they made just a straight, it was a, it was in their gut health protocol supplement line, but it was essentially almost entirely L-glutamine. I would just pop that when I was feeling off if I had some heartburn. Um, but you don't really want to wait for the heartburn to occur. That's the issue. It's, it's already gotten there by the time you're feeling that. So that's why we're focused on promoting healing on your lifestyle as a whole to avoid certain triggers if you can. Um, so those are the big three that I started with. So bone broth, L-glutamine, zinc. Um, more towards the middle of my journey, and I'll circle back to uh, the initial stuff here in a second. But towards the middle of my journey, I came across First Form's GI Advantage. So that's got like marshmallow root, licorice. Uh, I believe it has some glutamine, zinc. So I want to say six to eight natural ingredients. I was taking that as my replacement of the Pepsid. I was taking that religiously. I no longer take that, but I was taking that religiously every single day, um, which I felt much more comfortable with. Obviously, anything coming in the natural realm, the more holistic approach to medicine, um, I'm way more open to, way more open to, because those things are going to work a little more in conjunction with my body, in my opinion, not medical advice. Um, so that was a big help, kind of manage symptoms as we go throughout. But the biggest differences, the biggest things that I changed paying attention to what I ate. Now, I was, I've been a personal trainer since I graduated high school. I've been involved in health and fitness for a very long time. I didn't always eat the best. I ate two targets, two certain targets. I mean, calories, protein, carbs, fats, setting targets to those, eating to those targets, not filling those with the greatest choices. So a lot of processed foods initially, and then as my symptoms got worse, that's what really encouraged me to focus on nutrient-dense whole food options, to focus on meal timing, to focus on all the other habits that I'll talk about here. Um, so cleaning up the diet and paying attention to nutrition labels. If you can shop on the outside of the grocery store, obviously that's a great place to start with literally making your own foods, meals from entirely whole foods, not the processed stuff in the middle. We're not all going to escape every processed food. So when you pick things up, just read the label. I had lunch today and I just, I wanted to check myself. It was a random lunch. We don't have a ton of stuff going on here today. It was uh, rotisserie chicken. It was left there for the chicken breast. I made a PB&J with Dave's Killer Bread. Seems to be a healthier option. Uh, natural peanut butter and literally just uh, like a farm, a farm jelly. Someone made their own jelly out of strawberries. And then a little bit of barbecue sauce. Um, a low sugar barbecue. So we got the chicken, got PB&J on Dave's Killer Bread whole wheat, and I think I had an apple on top of that. 
nothing crazy, but a lot of those things are processed. So I just had a feeling, like, let me just see what those added sugars look like. That one meal, that quote unquote healthy-ish meal, it was random, it's not what I usually eat, guys, so don't throw me under the bus for this. 25 grams of added sugar. 25 grams of added sugar in one meal. And this is what we were discussing on a podcast about, you know, raising our kids, just being aware because we aren't aware of the shit that we just pull out of a package and feed our kids 99% of the time. 100 grams of sugar, added sugar throughout the day is not uncommon. Look around, everyone's obese. And in that one meal that I just had, 25 grams of added sugars. So multiply that by four if I wasn't paying attention. Now, that's not my typical meal. It's usually a whole protein, some nuts for fats, and then, you know, potatoes, rice, something like that as a carb filler, oats. This was just, I ran home. I was hungry. We didn't have a ton of stuff. Threw that together. PB&J sounded really good. 25 grams, though. That's nuts. Paying attention to that. Are you consuming? Not, it's not 80-20 anymore, especially when the 20, the 80-20 rule, especially when the 20% is significantly processed. That still adds up way too quickly. Is it 90-10? Is it 95-5 in regards to whole foods that you consume meals for? Now, if you're healthy and you say, fuck that, you have a little more leeway. You have a little more flexibility. I still don't recommend cramming up on the processed shit. But if you are dealing with gut issues, if you are dealing with any comorbidity, you're not feeling well, energy's always low, you have to start. You got to pay attention to this stuff. It's a non-negotiable. If you're wondering why this feels bad and that feels bad and you can't seem to progress, you have to start there. It's lifestyle and diet and really evaluate the things you're putting into your body and you're doing for your body. So whole foods, that's where we're starting. Nutrient timing, meal timing, how are you spacing those out? I was always brought up on the bodybuilder diet, you know, six to eight meals a day, maximize muscle protein synthesis, eating every two to three hours at the max, three hours. Um, and that doesn't allow your body to fully, your, your stomach to fully empty. Um, you've got a stomach sweeping mechanism at, at about three or three and a half hours where you're actually, your stomach will sweep itself. So it's actually getting rid of dead cells and preventing bacterial overgrowth. So if we're eating constantly, we're snacking, we're eating meals, your body doesn't get to do that sweeping mechanism. And that's when we start to see that gut inflammation due to bacterial overgrowth. So that's one thing we don't think about. Even if you're not eating the bodybuilder diet, you know, six full meals every two hours. If you're constantly eating, your stomach's not empty, it doesn't happen. If your stomach never growls throughout the day, maybe it does even after you ate. But that growling is part of that mechanism. It's sweeping itself. It's cleaning itself up a little bit. So that was in regards to meal timing. Um, stopping eating before bed. So this is this was initially a tough one because I like to just hang out for watching a movie, just eat something, snack on something. And I'm sure most people are like that. But that was a huge trigger for me. If I'm eating, even now, less than less than three hours before bed, I feel it. I'll wake up. I don't feel great. Uh, my stomach is off. I'll still have, it's not nearly as bad as it used to be, but some tightness in my chest, stomach area, not the breathing discomfort anymore, thank God. Um, but when I'm outside of that window, if I haven't eaten, my dinner was three or four hours before I go to bed, I might go to bed a little hungry, which is okay, but I sleep fantastic and I feel great when I wake up. If I am off, if my sleep routine is off at all, that's the first thing I look at. Well, am I, am I eating right before bed? Am I doing that again? Is the day getting away from me and it's six, seven o'clock and that's when I'm having dinner and then I pay attention to it and then I scale it back. If I'm eating by five o'clock, I'm in pretty good shape. Five, five thirty, I'm good. Six, we start to get fuzzy. Sleep. So we talked about that. We'll go right into it. That's promoting sleep. 
if I wasn't getting eight hours of sleep every night, especially when things were bad, that's when I woke up feeling horrendous. There was about a year and a half to two years where every single day, at some point during the day, I would feel like I was having a heart attack. So that was the heart palpitations, chest tightness, difficulty breathing. Sometimes I'd start getting that tunnel vision as I was probably developing a panic attack. Um, that would happen 90% of the time if I was under those eight hours of sleep. If I was trying to stay up late, wake up too early, wouldn't happen. It was your body heals when you're sleeping. That's recovery time. If you're not giving it to yourself, it ain't working. Um, obviously, cutting out drinking. I was a very heavy drinker in college, and I was basically forced to quit cold turkey. I stopped getting drunk. It just I was just extremely uncomfortable all the time. Um, so that was a big one. Caffeine, I was off entirely for a while. That was probably even harder for, for me than alcohol was. I, I had low energy, so I would rely on coffee. Coffee was a no-no. I'd feel terrible. Same thing. I stopped getting drunk on alcohol. I stopped getting energy from caffeine through coffee. Um, so it was just green tea for a very long time, which is next to no caffeine in there. Um, I couldn't even do black, black caffeine, um, black tea, <laughs> black caffeine, couldn't do black tea. Um, it's one of those things. You got to weigh the pros and cons. You want to do these things. You want to consume these things. If it's not helping you heal, especially when you're in a difficult place, what are you doing? You're shooting yourself in the foot. I've had these conversations with family members, with friends. It's difficult to create changes. But if you feel that shitty, there's no other option. There's no choices. And in my personal situation, people were cut from my life. People who only hung out with me when I was drunk. I don't see those people anymore. And that's okay. I'm in a much better place today because of how I've adapted. Uh, so sleep lifestyle, making sure I'm moving, I'm training usually five, six days a week. You don't have to do that. If you're at three to four, up to six days per week, fantastic. Moving a minimum of 7,000 steps per day. Water, I'm over a gallon a day, but to give you guys some numbers, if you drink 0.66, two thirds of your body weight, essentially, in ounces. So if you weigh 100 pounds, just to make the math simple, 67 ounces of water per day. Um, and that can come through coffee too. You want to include your, your, your cup of coffee in that. That's fine. Um, but electrolytes, elements, LMNT, electrolytes, throw that in a 32-ounce water bottle. You're in good shape. Do that a couple times a day. What else? What else? What else? Those are my big ones. Stress management, very huge. Obviously, if we're yelling and stressed at work throughout the day, chronically, it's going to lead to more inflammation within our bodies. So meditation is my gig. That's my jam. Um, at least once a day, 10 minutes before bed. Ideally, I do it in the morning as well, and I'm working on two 20-minute sessions per day. I couple that with uh, cold showers in the morning. I do the occasional ice bath. We have the sauna. Um, so I've got a pretty good, pretty good stress management protocol. I still have my terrible days, as any of us do. But I will say, you know, I call it medically induced anxiety. I never had anxiety prior to going through my barrett esophagus journey over the last decade. Um, and even after I healed that anxiety, mood swings, throw everything in that bucket, that never really went away. So that's something I continue to work on. And just like everything else with my health, if you stop maintaining the practice, you stop maintaining the result. So those are non-negotiables for me. That's the, the main gist. I'm trying to think if, there, if there's anything else I'm missing um, that I take that would help you guys. I drink aloe vera, the distilled water, George's aloe vera. 
I do that twice a day, I do that in the morning and I do that at night and I try to let it just sit. Not, it might just be in my head, but I try to let it sit in my throat so I won't eat or drink anything after doing that for at least 10 minutes. Who knows if that's actually doing anything. Um, but I think that's it guys. And obviously none of those supplements are going to help you by tomorrow and they're not going to help you if you're continuing to do things within your lifestyle and your diet that are going to you know work against you anyway. All you're doing is spinning your tires. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to blow out the flame while you're pouring gas on it. It just doesn't work. But over time, I mean, this took me a decade. I healed, uh, healed. I had uh, seven, seven surgeries over the course of 14 months where they actually burned my esophagus to get rid of the Barrett's. I have been cleared for about two years. I take nothing. I don't take any. There's no medicine that I take. Um, it's just that protocol. So I will say that I, I believe I stopped the progression without any medicine, without any, medica any medication, um, just focusing on those things, allowing my body to heal. Again, this is not medical advice, and I'm not recommending that you just jump off cold turkey without talking to your doctor, but I do recommend having those conversations, trying to figure out what you can improve, the things you can change within your life to allow yourself to heal. Um, so for those of you going through any of this, I feel your pain. I've been on that bus for a decade, and I made it through. Uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel if you handle things the right way. I can say, you know, the last six to eight months, especially, I have finally felt like a normal person. Even after being cleared, chronic fatigue and anxiety lingered. The last six months have been good to me. Been uh, on a very, very good path here. So, any questions, you guys can reach out to me on social media. I felt passionate about sharing an article. I never share news. I always feel weird about doing that. So, I did want to have an explainer video up here on YouTube and there will probably be a reel on Instagram just highlighting this, but I'm going to shut it down here. Catch you guys in the next.